1: And welcome to Jason Cabinet Experience. I'm your host, Jason Cavendish. The Jason Cavendish Experience is brought to you by Cavendish HR. At Cavendish HR, we deliver HR to companies with our HR platform, to companies with 49 of your people. Get access to the HR platform and a dedicated HR business partner for your company for $200 per month, depending on the size of your company. Our guest today is Mr. Charles Hamm. Mr. Charles, you ready to be great today?
0: Uh, yes, sir. I'm going to try to be.
1: Texas to the bone, Charles Ham is a veteran Marine Sergeant, a retired successful businessman and entrepreneur. He holds a BA degree from David Lipscomb University in classical Greek and Hebrew as and a passenger student of ancient history. Charles is well known on LinkedIn for sharing his thoughts about life and lessons, learned from 75 years of navigating the twists, turns and ups and downs of life's often perilous roads we travel. We all travel. He and his wife, Kathy, have been married for 54 years, have three children and seven grandchildren. They reside in Magnolia, Texas, where, where they're enjoying their golden years. Mr. Charles, thanks so much for being here. This is an honor and a pleasure. It's my pleasure, sir. So, so Mr. Charles, um, first, we want to talk a little bit about, about your Marine background. You served three years in the Marines back in the 60s, correct? Uh, four years. Four years. From 65 to 69. Yes, sir. And, and and the phrase the phrase is like always a marine once a marine always a marine correct, that's correct. I, I know the I don't know, know quite a few Marines. I like the pride and the comedy they have with just other Marines is just it, it's indescribable.
0: It's uh, it's a brotherhood. If you I don't care what your rank is, if you were in after me, you're my little brother, and uh, if you were in before me, you're my big brother. It's uh, just kind of the way we look at it, but it. It is a brotherhood, and I'm proud to be a part of it.
1: So um, you did a LinkedIn article a while ago. I think it was 2018. And basically talked about when your grandson asked you, Grandpa, were you a hero? I just thought your answer was like very deep, right? Because a lot of people don't realize, like, if you're in the military, like, if you're not military, you expect us to talk about everything we did in the military, right? Because everyone's not a hero. We don't talk about what we did day to day, right? For example, I was a resident of some relatives in Texas last year. And a good friend of mine was there. Right. And they were telling, Hey, tell us some army stories. You no, know, we talked about the beer, drinking, fun times. Like, no, no, tell us the real stuff. Like we look, me and my friend looks at it like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. Right. We're not going to tell you what goes on. Right. Cause it's like almost like top secret stuff to people in the military. Yes, sir. Uh,
0: I think uh, veterans in some ways are, are very much the same and yet d- different individually, like everyone else. And My feeling has always been that, uh, you know, I was there and, and, uh, that's, that's what I usually tell people if they ask me, I say, yes, I was there. Same here. (laughs) Same here. What, what, what do you, what do you say? I I mean, where, where do you go? Where do you begin? What, what do they want me to say? And I've just found it to be difficult to talk about. and. I have a, a profound uh, reverence for people who, who didn't make it back and paid the ultimate price. And uh, I, I never felt that my service could even compare to theirs. And I, I, just, don't, I just don't like, uh, I, I, I just don't uh, care to talk about it uh, beyond what we're saying right now. There were some funny things happened. I didn't mind telling about my ship ride across the Pacific or, you know, just different things. But uh, uh, I've uh, come from a long line of, uh, in my ancestry. My dad was World War II grandfather in uh, World War I. I had an uncle in the Spanish-American War and two grandpas that fought in the Civil War. One was for the Confederacy and one the (laughs) Union. And I even on both sides of my family, trace grandpa's back to the American Revolution. I'm a son of the revolution twice. That's incredible. So so hams tend to go to war, I guess. And and, uh, when it came my time to serve, I I went down and signed up.
1: Yeah, but I'm like you with the RLQ Robert, when your grandson asked you, you know, a lot of people say we're heroes, but we're not comfortable being called heroes, right? Because, like, I, I mean, we both know, like, true heroes, right? Like, I know some cat, people do that yes, Cat sir. America stuff, right? And, of course, we serve. We did our, like, did our part, right? We're not heroes, I think, right? So, I, I think that's a very good LinkedIn article where you wrote a lot of veterans in your read. I, was like, I, had, I had to answer questions, especially with your grandson, right? Because he always looks up to you as a hero.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I've tried. I, I just didn't want to encourage that kind of an image. Uh, i was just a young kid that w- went off and and in my opinion did his duty and i tried to do it well and uh, ended up a sergeant and uh i'm 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 proud of that i i i i did my duty and any other superlatives uh uh I I don't accept. I'm careful when someone gives me a compliment. It's like I recently said about uh, someone showing you respect. I mean, I'll kindly thank them, you know, but uh, I don't disagree with them. But uh, words are losing their meaning. And if all hero means is that you served in the military, then how do you distinguish between people like we're talking about who, who genuinely uh, sacrificed everything, or, or, or acted above and beyond the call of duty. Um, I, I I feel like the word's le- losing its meaning uh, by the way it's being used today. And that article you referenced was me trying to, to say that uh, there has to be some superlative for, for people who who did more than, than they were called on to do.
1: Exactly. And I know the latest thing, you know, people will say, Hey, thank you for your service. I've turned around now. when someone says, thank you, thank you for your service. I'll say, and thank you for paying your taxes to pay my retirement pay. Right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: So next let's move on to your your time at Lipscomb university. where you had a degree in in classical Greek and Hebrew. I know you're like a big fan of of, uh, ancient history. Yes, sir. So why, why those degrees versus like business well, or something else?
0: It, it, uh, it goes back to when I was a child. I, I developed an interest for some reason. Uh, I, I loved history. And uh, I remember at an early age reading the, the first six chapters of Genesis in the Bible And I had just a natural curiosity for what was going on, according to the biblical story, what was going on before the flood. And there's really not a whole lot of information. And by historical timelines, that puts us into an area that we call prehistory. And my fascination has always been the distant past and I my major in uh, classical Greek and Hebrew uh, at the time I thought would prepare me uh, in some way for a career in archaeology because archaeology is a a passion of mine but uh, I, I I didn't pursue it for for uh, several reasons, once I got into it, I, I found the archaeological community to just be hopelessly lost in their own box. And I always insist on my right to do my own thinking and to ask questions. And and uh, I realized that I, I would have to pursue this on my own to maintain any intellectual freedom to. Uh, ask what I thought would be valid questions. And uh, often uh, the answer to my question would be pretty much, uh, you know, if you think that you're a moron and they never would really answer the question. Uh, it's a, a very closed community uh, as a lot of the scientific disciplines are now. And and so I just uh, ended up going my own way and Pursued my uh, uh, intellectual passions as a, uh, j- just on my own and, and self-educated myself by just reading uh, innumerable books that I could get on the subjects. And I, it's, it's been a great journey. I've enjoyed
1: it. So what was it like your favorite part of like the classical Greek, um, I want to say mythology, the like classical Greek history? Like, was it like the Persian Wars? Like how the the democracy started there or Plato was something different that drew you to classical Greece?
0: Yeah, it was it was just uh, an interesting time. Uh, There was for a long time, they thought that the Greeks were really the first civilization until they realized that Egypt predated them. And then they started getting on beyond Egypt uh, into Samaria and and other places. And uh, it became obvious to me that they still hadn't figured all of this out. And I was uh, just interested in in seeing what I could learn. But I was interested in the classics uh, and in that time. But more uh I was more driven to learn the language at that time and to be able to read it, and had visions at the time of finding a a tablet out in the desert somewhere and being able to read it but uh it it just uh my education. The biggest value that I found in my education is that when people find out what I majored in, they they think I'm smart, <laughs> and and uh, that'll serve you well until they figure out the truth. <laughs> but uh,
1: yeah, uh, you definitely it's have it's a unique 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 degree. I think yeah, yeah I, it, it is. And I, for me, like my two best classes, I took a college, I took a philosophy class out of load. I took a class on Roman history that I loved, right? Just the Roman history stuff yes. is so fascinating to me, right? As, same with yeah, these, sure. the class of Greek. So here's a question for you. Like, all great civilizations, they fail, right? Like, the Egyptians fail, Sumerians fail, Greek fail, Roman fail. fail. Why, what do you I, think, why do you think all these great civilizations fail at the end? Is this like, they're, they're excess, they don't learn lessons, or what do you think that is?
0: I think uh, a common thread is uh, Uh, All government, as far back as you can go, any governmental uh, body that's ever ruled over other people, uh, invariably becomes corrupt. It's just the nature of the beast. And that when you think of monarchies and and emperors and all of the different types of of governments on up into our our day. Uh, they all have that one thing in common, and generally speaking, uh, living in those times as uh, just uh, a, a civilian, the person out all the streets, life was not that good. And I, I think if history teaches us anything, that it's that when a government becomes all powerful, it never works out very well for the people. And, and I, I think what we're seeing today in the world, uh, it's, it, it's, we're all just people, whether we were Romans that lived 2000 years ago, or, or people are people, and there's something inherently corrupting about, about government. And there's something that inherently attracts people who seek power over other people for uh often nefarious reasons and that's that's sort of the way i that sums up my political views pretty well no matter no matter what time we might be talking about
1: yeah i know my roman history class the professor did like a he he was able to correlate a timeline to us in u.s history and like, he was able to trace, like, when the Roman Roman Empire started falling, they started giving, like, free grain to everyone, like, all that kind of stuff. And he yes. did this timeline where, like, it was pretty accurate up to that part where, like, he predicted, I want to say, I'm making this up, maybe, like, by the year 2090, we, the U.S. would become, like, a dictator, so, like, Roman did this because all the, all the correlations, like, pretty much point on point.
0: I I think uh, that is inevitable. Uh when When they realize that they can take money from the people and give it to other people, which all governments seem to uh, come to the, realize that uh, then corruption races toward uh, an inevitable result uh, i I think uh, the only one one another constant I believe in the relationship of people with governments is that ultimately, just by sheer numbers, the the people really have the power. And we, I, I have a saying that uh, no one can take your freedom from you. You you have to surrender it. And if you live as a free man, uh, perhaps you might have to die as a free man but no one can really take your freedom from you and i think that's a lesson for what we're seeing going on today in our country uh we have 330 or 40 billion people in the country and a small handful uh govern over us and the reason we 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 have the power within us if we uh, all get together and get on the same page and, 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 and demand that, that things change. It's, it's really in our
1: hands. So, Mr. Charles, what's your opinion on this? So no, nowadays we have all this tech, you know, Teslas, cell phones, we're sending people to Mars, maybe other stuff going on. But I'm a believer that human nature has not changed like a million years, right? Or however long man's been on the Earth. The human nature right. is human nature, right? What's your opinion on that?
0: I, I think it's exactly right. Uh, we're we're still people. Uh, what I see happening in in our day, specifically with the advancement of of technology, is that we're we're losing we're losing touch with ourselves. There's there's so many distractions that we all glom onto and 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 make. Uh, center in our lives that no one and you, and you hear this a lot i don't claim to be original but i mean people don't talk to each other anymore uh families don't sit at the dinner table and have conversation the tv's on or the kids have the phone maybe dad and mom have their phones out and uh there's uh i i think the greatest need that People have today is to just find from time to time a quiet place where they can sit and maybe out in nature where they can be alone with themselves and their thoughts and and just think about things uh, uh, as I call it pondering it, pondering it on things. Uh that uh I, I've always been uh someone essentially like that. I'm not a uh reclusive loner by any means. I enjoy good company and good conversation, but I don't also don't mind being alone. And I and I cherish those times to just have have a time to sort things out and think about things in my own life, uh, maybe that I should or shouldn't do. Uh, but, but sometimes it's just a matter of, of self-reflection about the kind of person that I am and, and what maybe I could do to, uh, to be a, a, a better person nobody one of the comments that i'm getting about my book is all along this very line uh people are are uh, they they read it and it's it's like they've had a life-changing experience uh and realizing that that they need to get in touch with themselves and uh for things to get better we have to get better and that was uh, a mess. The main message that I've been trying to convey through all my writings is that uh, this, this begins with us. If you think your problem is them or, or it or that, 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 that's not it. You need, to uh, you need to look at yourself first and, and, uh, things tend to get better.
1: Michelle, that's some great advice. I think. People have we forgotten how valuable valuable it is just go garden nature. Turn everything off. Be outside somewhere for thirty yes. minutes, and just let your mind take. All right, because so many ideas yes. come in, so much creativity, and you just, just have right. kind of conversations with yourself. Right? I think we don't right. do that as enough.
0: That's true. Uh, for years, I've gone off in the fall of the year for uh, uh, nine days, uh, all two weekends and one week on on a vacation and i always went alone and i would spend uh daylight till dark sitting in the woods by myself just quiet and looking around and thinking and getting distracted by things that we need to be distracted by once in a while a fox running across in front of me uh, or seeing a bobcat or uh, a coyote or, or deer coming by. Uh, but basically it was just a, a time to kind of, kind of evaluate things. And 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 when I came back from those trips, uh, I always just felt a lot better. It, it It was very helpful to me. And I think people are missing that. I think we've lost our touch with nature. Uh, We've lost touch with the night sky, uh, lost touch with uh, being able to grow food. You know, some some of the things that uh, were once uh, very common, we've lost all of that now and have have, uh, embraced technology and the bells and whistles that uh, essentially just keep us distracted.
1: Yeah, I went out hunting last year for the first time ever with a for friend of mine. And just being out of nature, like you said, by yourself, like, whoa, like, I missed this. Like, you know, you see the stars, you hear all oh, yeah. the sounds, you know, like, yeah, it was a great yeah. experience.
0: It, yeah, You're just hearing a uh, redheaded woodpecker, you know, you'll you'll sit there and smile. Uh, all, all sorts of things go on in the woods. And of course, when you hear lost a, our appreciation. Of course, when you hear a
1: growl, you know you're like, okay. Uh, <laughs> 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 this might be the best place to be. in. how close is that growl?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, critters are predictable. Uh, they want you to leave them alone. And and when I'm when I'm out in the woods, I I try to cultivate in my mind that I belong here too. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a part of nature uh, and I, I have a place here. And, and so I don't want the critters uh, telling me that I don't. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have a right to be there, too, and to, get, and to get along.
1: So, Mr. Charles, let's go back to ancient Greece for, for ancient history. Ancient, ancient history. For me, mm-hmm. From your point of view, what are some lessons we can still learn today from ancient, ancient history?
0: well i th- i think there's uh there's a world of wisdom in just just knowing uh th- the past beginning with our own personal history but it the farther you go back th- you you get a a perspective on on how things were then and how things really haven't changed that much but A fascination that I've had is, uh, and and I wrote an article about this on LinkedIn. I didn't uh, uh, include it in the book, but the 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 big lesson to me that seems obvious is that our historical timeline is wrong. We uh, intelligent people lived. A lot longer ago than we think they did, and this became obvious to me at an early age. uh, Just looking at the pyramids, Uh, the the, we're told that the pyramids were created about forty five hundred years ago, and yet that's Egyptologists talking, and yet archaeologists and Geologists and other people uh will tell us uh anthropologists that at that time people didn't even have a wheel, and they weren't uh they they didn't possess the necessary tools that would uh, have enabled them to construct these unbelievable monuments and I think that everything that exists Presupposes or stands as evidence of something capable of bringing it into existence, and I think our historical timelines are wrong, and a lot of the scientific theory that has has governed our understanding of ancient times has been uh, was set forth by people who lived two hundred or two hundred and fifty years ago. And their theories uh, were, were questioned then sometimes by themselves, but academia, for some reason, wanted to go along with them. And, and uh, every, everything just seemed skewed. But it's, it's been more a, a, a curiosity as much as anything uh, and, and just a personal interest. And I think that there's great wisdom in, in learning and reading about those times and, and how it affects your, uh, your perspective on things and give, gives you some interesting things to talk about with people who have mutual
1: interests. Yeah, I mean, that's a great mystery. Like how were well the pyramids are built? You know, like, because like I said, they supposedly didn't have the tools. because some people would tell you, oh, an alien race came from outer space, but the pyramids and a left right, you know, stuff like that, you know. Just yes. a great, great conversation started. I think you know, like how were they built? How was this done? Or was it right. you know, or just like you know, hundred thousand men doing you know slave labor? They did it. You know,
0: they there's there's still there's still certain realities, and and the number of people don't answer the question. Uh, they, if I wanted to know how the pyramids were built, I would go get some professionals in construction and 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 get them out there talking about this, and go to the go, go to the guys that move heavy stuff there's companies that just specialize in moving unimaginably heavy and large objects and see what they i uh, see what they have to say that would be interesting for uh, sure yeah yeah and and uh uh it it the explanations that were given are just unbelievable to me. And when I said so, uh, I, I realized that that I was going to have to conform to the indoctrination or else would be left on the outside. And so I just chose to go out the door and leave them behind and, and go my own way. And I've had a lot of fun with it.
1: Mr. Charles, next, can you talk something about your experiences and your time at, I think it's called Lone Star Locating? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I've had uh, a couple of uh, companies,
0: locating companies, Lightspeed Locating and Lone Star Locating. And maybe it was the archaeologist in me, but it's, it's a long story. But I got interested in... Locating things in the ground. And I started my own company and bought the equipment that you would use. And uh, we worked for people that needed to know what was buried in the ground Uh, surveyors, uh, construction people, architects, uh, did a lot of work in the all fields, uh, locating pipelines and that sort of thing. And Got into uh, hydro excavation, uh, which is the where, where you just blow holes in the ground with water pressure to expose the line. If they wanted, uh, I could only tell them what it was. If they wanted to know what size it was, or, or or precisely what the line was, all I could really tell them was that there's something down there, and so that gave us another ability. And it turned into a uh, it turned into a nice business, and. And uh I I just retired from it in uh in 90 uh when I was 74 a couple of years ago. Uh it will be two years in July. And I was uh I stayed in the field and let other people take care of the office stuff. I wanted to be out with the guys. And so I, I worked hard until I was uh 74 and I realized that uh, I I'd maybe lost a step or two and it was time to do something else. So, so I, I retired and turned to, my kids are running the businesses now. And so, so the company's uh, still in
1: business. It's like a family business. Now. Oh,
0: oh, oh yeah. It's a family business and both are still, uh, still in business and doing well. And I just come around once in a while and give my two cents worth about what I think about something. And, uh, that, that's about the extent of my involvement. I go out in the field once in a while to see the guys. That's always a lot of fun to just show up on a job site.
1: But, Mr. Uh, Ch- Mr. Charles, can you talk something about why you decided entrepreneur, like why entrepreneurship versus working for someone else? And any lessons learned and any advice you can pass on to people who are like, doing the entrepreneurship
0: thing right now? Well, most most people work for someone else. And I I uh decided that early on I've I've had several businesses besides the uh the locating business. I've tried some things and either failed or moved on to something else. And uh but you have to have an idea uh and I, I think what most people lack is just the uh maybe courage isn't the right word it's the one that comes to mind, but it takes a certain level of courage and self confidence to put yourself out there and try to start a new business on day one. No one knows you're in business, and yet there you are you know and and so you you have to become known and and that's a process that uh you have to go through and sometimes you might go for a couple of years before you're even making enough to, to pay the bills. But the reward of it is, uh, it's not unlike uh, working for someone else, because you do work for someone else. Uh, if a company gave me a job, uh, they immediately became my boss. And, and they were paying me just like other people get paid from their for, from their company, and if you don't do a good job, you they'll find someone else that that will. But it's uh, uh, you, you you have a sense of in being in control of your own destiny. Uh, the harder you work, the better better things will will we'll get. Usually, if you drive, provide good service to your customers, they'll call you again, and there's a lot of reward in it. And the most To me, the most wonderful thing about it was uh, when I hired my first man and realized I had created a job. And and that was a, a, a very meaningful thing to me, that something that I had done had benefited me. And now I needed some help. And 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 here's a man with a wife and family and 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 I was able to give him a job and and that meant a lot to me. The creation of jobs was one of the most rewarding things about being an entrepreneur to me yes,
1: Mr. Charles. I think a lot of entrepreneurs or people in business don't realize the significance of that like when you hire someone you you you're you're, you're you're gonna take care of him him or her and that family, right? We would have to forget that that family depends on that person's job, right? I think we sometimes forget yes. that, you know, like yes. you're, you're hiring a yeah. family, by you're hiring a the person they can take care of their family, you know, maybe you buy a house, you know, pay for college. Right. I think a lot of people right. don't get that point.
0: No, it, it's, it's really true. And I would tell my guys that it's the job that's sacred. Not the individual that has it, if you have this job, you need to be thankful for the job and and do a good job uh, or or it's a betrayal of trust as as if I worked you out here and 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 didn't pay you or didn't pay you what uh, I said I was going to we're We're entering into a deal and staying out in the field with the guys i we became just like family uh a lot of lot of fun guy banter and you you know it it was just it was just a great time and we we were like a family but i was the father now I was a father with older kids, and they called me Mister C, Mister Charlie. Uh, a couple of them called me Pops. You know, I mean, there, a lot of easiness and lightheartedness. But 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 I was the father, and and uh, they recognized that. And if decisions need to be made i I respected their expertise too. they were good at their work, so we'd stand in a circle and talk about it and one would think this, one would think that I'd think this, and uh we, we'd we hash it out and ultimately, I was the one that had to make the decision because we had to do something so uh uh that's the way it kind of worked and and it was uh, it was a fun. I enjoyed, I loved working. I, I I loved being out there, but I felt like it was it was time to let it go. I I took a couple of hard falls uh, the last six months or so uh, after uh, b- before I retired, and just bounced right back up. And everybody running around, you okay? Okay. I mean, I was fine, but it started. It started weighing on me a little bit, you know, that one of these days I'm going to fall out here and I'm not going to be okay. And I I thought it was just time to let it go and turn it over to the others.
1: Mr. Charles, you bring up a a great point. I know a lot of people that start a company, I'm going to start a company so I don't have a boss. Like, really? You're not going to have no boss. Like, your customers will be your boss, your employees will be your boss. You'll have like literally tens and maybe hundreds of bosses, right? You have to answer to versus just one boss in the past. People don't get that. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And you get paid last. A lot less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or last. I mean, you know, you, you have to pay the guys first. You have to pay the bills. Uh, if you need new equipment, you, you, you need to get it. And for the business owner, it, it takes a while uh, before you can really start making any money. Uh, you, you have to put the company first and the best interest of the company, and then second, the employees. Some people squirm when I say that, but if you don't put the company first, there's no jobs for the employees. Exactly. So so the the business and the success of the business has to be foremost in your mind, and then you have to take care of the wonderful people you have that, that you brought on to help you. Uh, that's
1: the way I look at it. And and I think. I think another all right. part, Another part of the detail people forget too is like you have to have the support of your spouse, right? I mean, your spouse has to be behind. Like, if your spouse is used to getting like a steak dinner every day, and you say, "Hey, Mama, we're gonna eat steak once a week now because of business," and she's yeah. like, "I don't know about that. I'm used <laughs> to getting steak five days a week, right? <laughs> you gotta rethink this, right? Yeah, it, it, you know,
0: might not be for you." Right. Yeah it, it, it's a uh, it's a struggle at times. Uh, and some people have this idea that security is found in having a good, a good, a good position with another company and, and gathering in there, but, uh, nothing ultimately guarantees your security. Uh, you can be terminated in a downsizing yeah. operation. There's from no, a thing, no such
1: thing as a secure job anymore.
0: No, no. And and it's the same way with you if you own your own company, uh, if you start losing business for whatever reason, uh, you're essentially being downsized by 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 your customers. So it's it's. It, it's just, you know, I encourage people to go into business for themselves if they if they have an idea and. And I and I'll tell them a little bit about my experiences and what to expect, and it uh, it's it's a major decision and and one that needs to be made wisely, and, and a lot of things are to be taken into consideration.
1: Mr. Charles, next we're going to go into something a little personal. So there's a pitch online of you and your grandkids titled "Me and the Cookie Bennett's. Can you, yes, talk, can you talk? Can you talk some about how having grandkids has maybe changed your life? Any perspective? Perspective on things.
0: Well, it's uh, uh, grandpas will sit around and talk to each other sometimes, and we all say the same thing. There's just something different about the grandkids as as opposed to your own children. It's not that you love them more. It's just different, and all of a sudden, you know, my kids are all grown, and then they they start getting married, and the next thing you know, I, I've got little people <laughs> running around in the house again, and and uh, they're they're just a, a, a joy, and and I think there is something inherent in children. They like older people. I, I I believe that to be true, and so there there just seems to be a, a natural bonding uh, w- w- with them, and and it, it's 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 the joy of, of your of your later years to have them and uh, and see them grow up. My oldest will graduate from high school in in May and it just seems like yesterday she was the only one and I was had her in my lap you know they they grow up so fast but I still call them cookie bandits and they get a kick out of it
1: so two funny things I remember saying like you know different between a parent and grandparent if you're a parent you know eating, eating breakfast your kid hey can I have some jelly on my bread no 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 fruits at breakfast yes. if you're a grandparent yeah. you, you you're making chocolate cake and donuts and sugar cookies for breakfast right and well, yeah, and and, and and then you know if you're, if you're a parent, no no don't play in the living room. Sit down, watch TV. You're a grandparent. Yeah. You build like a living room for fort, dungeon, dragon things from the play. You know this. Just... They, uh, you're
0: you're 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 just easy on them, uh, and and that's uh, I learned a long time ago when they were young that the best way to get along with them was to never tell them no. <laughs> and, and let their, let Bob and Dad take care of that. Uh, and and I and I told told my kids. I said if they're out with me, they want a Snickers, they get it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I that that's that's gonna be it. And they'll come over to the house, and I'll get them all sugared up. Let them. I, I even will tell them this is something they thought they think is funny now, even even then. But I, I would tell them there will be no supper until you finish your candy, <laughs> and I'd say it very firmly. You know that that you, you're not going to get supper until you finish your candy, and they thought that was funny.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Um, yeah. And then mom and dad comes and gets them and they're bouncing off the walls all the way home. And after they get there and I just kind of sit back and laugh, I feel like they had it coming, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I remember having a very fond memories with my grandparents. Right? Like you said, feeding me Starburst and orange soda and cake, you know, like I'm sure right. I ate real food. But I remember yeah. it was like, you know, walking to <laughs> the store with my grandmother, getting an orange soda, some candy, you know?
0: Oh, it's it's just it's just the way it the, the way it is uh you you just uh you just kind of go along with them and 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 enjoy having them there that that's uh that, it's a great thing and i've I've taken them fishing and you know done done things with them and uh you know we stopped at the store out there and uh I'll, I'll let them, whatever they want to eat, that's what they get, you know? <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. My kids get it. Ir- my, my children get irritated with me sometimes. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they that, do. That doesn't mean a thing to me. Yeah. I didn't care less.
1: Your kids were like, where was this person at when I was growing up? <laughs> yeah. Well, I hear that. I hear that, you know, <laughs> uh,
0: but that's the way it is.
1: So Mr. Charles, next, um, you wrote another article It was titled What the Heck is the Second Law of Thermodynamics? And you talked about, you know, Age of Reason with Thomas Paine, Original Series, Order of Species with Charles uh, Darwin and Darwin's Dow. Yes. Very deep philosophical piece that you did. Can you talk, I mean, can't talk details for enough time. Can you talk like 20 hours on this, but can you talk about why you wrote that article and what do you want people to get out of it?
0: Well, it goes back to something that we were talking about earlier. Uh, The the second law of thermodynamics is something, if there's one thing you can get academia to agree on, no matter what discipline they're in, everybody has bought into the second law of thermodynamics, which is essentially that things start out on a certain level and, and entropy, in other words, It starts deteriorating. Things go from good to bad. uh, And that can be illustrated in just hundreds of ways. And, And no one argues with that. And I included the cartoon of the kids talking to their mother about their rooms. And they said, you know, the second law of thermodynamics applies to our rooms, too. It's going from order to disorder. This is a natural law. But here is the significance of it, which uh, I think people have missed. It's a total variance to uh, Darwin's theory of evolution, which says that everything started out in its absolutely most primitive form, uh, and that over time, things just becoming, uh, become more complex. More sophisticated, uh, and and it and it's going. It we're get, everything is just getting better and better and better when it comes to life. And I brought that into question and have talked with other people about it too. And it's it's kind of a shocking thing to them because they haven't really thought about it. And Darwin recognized that his theory was flawed. Uh, by what was called the Cambrian explosion, but people at that time, if you understand the intellectual climate, they were looking for an alternative to creationism. They, that was really what it was all about. And they, and they came up with this and all I was pointing out is that, uh, we should have expected things to have started at its highest level of development. And we would be uh, in the process of moving back to the monkeys and not in the process of having moved on from them, so to speak. And that was essentially, and it also has to do with the historical timeline and why it's so difficult for people to understand things that are, right before their eyes. And and that is, the more primitive you are, the longer ago you lived, the more primitive you are than people are today. And so you would have had less intelligence, less ability. And yet we've gone back so far in history, and we're seeing these magnificent monuments that can't be explained, except by having been constructed with skillful people with uh, tools and abilities that we don't give them credit for having, and and that was uh, that was sort of my uh, my my point to that that we every everybody again it goes back to something I say it seems like many times a day uh, people need to s- stop and think about what they're saying, or uh, and and does it even make any sense? But what started happening, and it's in, in full bloom in our day, is that if you disagree with the established view, uh, then you're ridiculed and mocked. But no one ever really offers an explanation or, or, or an answer to a legitimate question that you might have asked. You're just, uh, th- there's a lot of ridicule that, uh, that, that goes along with that. But that was, that was my point, that an, an, if, if you happen to be someone who is a creationist, and when you say that word, it immediately, you know, people associate it with the Bible, but all of the ancient pantheons that, uh, from people all over the world that had hundreds, maybe even thousands of gods, the main god was always the creator. They all believed that there one of them had to be responsible for what's uh, what's here, and and I was just trying to to make that argument that that a good argument could be made that brings into question Darwinism. Uh, and, I mean, the whole idea we have learned so much since he uh, set forth that theory, and yet we hold on to it as if we haven't and. And that's, that's been my issue with them. Uh, and, and in the article, I just pointed out what I thought. Yeah, and sorry. the critters up on Round Mountain yeah. all agreed with me. So that's course, enough for me.
1: Yes. <laughs> you make a great, great point. There's so many people nowadays who are like, well, what do you believe in any subject? I believe this. Well, why? Because my friends believe that. Well, how you? What do you, why do your friends believe that? I don't know. This, that's what they say, right? Like no research, no, like. I mean, like you said, thinking on your own, like learn different things, learn different ideas. Right. Versus just my my friends say this or, you know, just like, like do your own research, so to speak. Right. Like get your own ideas.
0: Sure. sure. And science is. I have the deepest respect for science, but it's about questioning. It's 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 about taking issue with someone and making them defend it and present yes. their evidence—that's that, what it's all about. You to do, you know. You're supposed,
1: supposed to question it, science. Yeah. It's supposed to be peer reviewed, sure. and you know, sure. yeah. Supposed to ask questions: why this, why that, how you do your research? Right. Yeah, and and that's not
0: being done anymore. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I, I love the astronomers more than anybody <laughs> in all of the uh, the disciplines. They'll. I, I watch this show called How the Universe Works, and I and I sit there. And, and it's very amusing to me because they don't have any idea how the universe works. No, <laughs> and, at and all. they have all of, they have all of these theories, and it's so massive. And astronomers have this glow on their face, almost like young lovers. And they, they this while they're talking, they've got this little grid and they're just they're just in awe of what they're talking about. But quite often you'll hear one of them say after they've told us all about it is we don't have the slightest idea whether <laughs> this is true or not. And, and and I respect them for that because uh uh the universe is uh, uh has a lot of questions to be answered and 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 we know so little about it and, and I appreciate their attitude. They're, they they can still concede they don't know everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, like we have more access to information anytime in the world, right? Just on our cell phone, access to all the information in the world. But of course, this is like the more information we have, the less we know about anything. Yes, yes, you can you can know a lot
0: and not understand anything. And I've always tried to take my knowledge to a to a level of understanding, and uh, have been always resistant to indoctrination. And that was true in my upbringing uh, in the church. Uh, I I felt like uh, I had a right to to read and, and, and come to my own conclusions. And I had a preacher tell me one time that was getting upset with me because of some of my questions they are very dogmatic people in a lot of ways. And, uh, he, he insinuated that if I believed that I, I wasn't going to make it. And, and I said, well, if I'm going to go to hell for a doctrinal error or, it's going to be my error and not yours, and at exactly. least I can stand. I can stand before the judgment bar of God, and if He brings this up, I'm like, "That's what I thought." You know, uh, it wasn't what somebody told me. I, I I genuinely believe that, and maybe He'll give me a break. I, I'm, I'm thinking He will.
1: What well, is that? Like, I think it was in Arizona, somewhere in the United States, where this Catholic priest, when he was baptizing people, he used the wrong, wrong wording. So now the Catholic Church is saying all these people are not saved, and you all, know all, they have to redo the ceremonies, do everything, else I still go to hell. Like, is God really going to send someone to hell because a man mispronounced one word? I don't know, right?
0: Well, it's not the way I look at it. Uh, when you read the, the 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 biblical scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, uh, again, I I look. I've always looked for the message and oh, what are they saying here? And we tend to get lost in the weeds and that's where we get into things that divide us. But fundamentally, uh, the message of, uh, of the scriptures is, is rather simple and anyone could read through it and, 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 and get the gist of, of, of what's being said. And that's what's important. And, and to uh, uh, base a, a belief on some nuance of a Greek preposition, uh, I, I think if you have to go there, you're, you're probably missing the point anyway. <laughs> uh, it's just been the way I've looked at it.
1: Yeah, this, this comedian he does a skit. He's talking about, you know, the, the message, right? He's like, you know, some people say Jesus is messenger. Some people say somebody else or someone else. My question is, did you get the message right? You know, like you said, message is more important yes. than the person doing it. Given it,
0: and and we have this tendency to want to want to be the judge of these things, and I don't I don't I don't stand in judgment of anybody for anything, uh, and and that's not I haven't always been that way, but I've I've uh, I've, I've I've come there. Uh, I have. Uh, uh i I don't feel like it's 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 i it's way beyond my pay grade to to pronounce eternal judgment <laughs> on someone i think i I think I can disagree with them about something and 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 uh there is right and wrong i'm not trying to say there isn't but uh uh i i think the bible teaches us to be uh y- you know that there's a, a, a gracious, merciful God, you know, that's our heavenly father. And, and I'm, I'm staking everything on that. You know?
1: So let's talk about this. This is one of the pit pieces of mine, right? Like suppose me and you were negotiating over 10 things, right? For whatever reason you, you agree to nine of my demands, right? But well, the 10th one, you said, mm-hmm. no, I don't want this. A lot of people be like, well, if I can get, if I can get 10 I don't want nothing, right? Is right. like that one thing really that important to pass on, on nine things. And so many people pass on getting the nine things that want versus the one thing that is it really that important. Maybe it is, but probably it's not right. And this is my set. A lot of people are wrong around that, all those things.
0: Right. Right. And we, and we focus on the things that we disagree on and not on the things that we agree that, uh, and that's why there's so many different denominations. Uh, I kind of chuckle about it. You go through small towns in Texas And there'll be a first Baptist church. There'll be a second Baptist church and the second Baptist church and the folks that split off from the first Baptist (laughs) because they got mad at them about something. And then maybe there's a third Baptist church. I've seen towns with three Baptist churches and I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about the Baptists at all. I don't mean to imply that, but, uh, people have different ways of looking at things and rather than work them out, we tend to segregate ourselves from those, those people. And, and uh,
1: I, I, I think that's a shame. So Mr. Charles, let's go to LinkedIn real fast. So when did you start posting on LinkedIn? And then when did you realize, wait, wait a minute, people actually listen to what I'm saying. People actually follow me and, and taking my advice. When did that hit you?
0: it it was a process uh i i wrote uh an article oh four or five years ago and up until that time i'd just been trying to find my way on on linkedin and i realized early on that no one pays any attention to you if if they don't know you, you have to do something to draw attention to yourself. And I wrote an article entitled, who's the worst, who's, who's the world's worst boss. And then I put this kind of a subtitle, evidently it's me. And it was kind of a, uh, uh, I, I talked about all the things that people say about, uh, in, in in today's uh venue on leadership and these sorts of things about how you deal with people and uh, all of the different things that you should do in business and i I took issue with most of it and and explained why uh but kept myself in the context of being a horrible boss and down at the end of it uh. I I, I uh, concluded the whole thing with uh, you know that, that I was a bad man, and that uh, article got about a hundred and four thousand views, and and uh, the comments were just endless, and a lot of them just disagreed with me, but a lot of them did agree with what I was saying. And it, it it was just a lot of fun. And it got me noticed. And I, I I'm an observer of uh of life. Uh, I, I don't talk a lot about current events, but I'm an observer of them. And I started trying to write about things that I thought people were troubled about and just give them a a, a different perspective. Uh, I started seeing so many angry people out there. Everybody just seemed to be in a rage. And I, and I wrote some things about anger and it seemed that it started, it started resonating and, and, uh, I realized I was developing a following of these these wonderful people from all walks of life. were were saying the nicest things about uh, about what I was writing and and about me, and I, I it, it encouraged me to think of something else to write. You know that might be helpful or. Make them stop and think about things, and it it has grown. The last two articles that I've written on LinkedIn, one had about a hundred and thirty five, uh, two hundred and thirty five thousand views, and the last one went to about two hundred and forty eight or nine thousand views. In two articles, there's close to a half billion people uh, saw that article, and it gives you a. It's it's humbling. You feel a sense of responsibility. I mean, people are listening to you, and and and, and I feel that I need to to have something to say. Uh, but but and, and then people started asking me to write a book, and and eventually, uh, uh, one particular man just wouldn't take no for an answer and put me in uh got a publisher to uh get contact me and and uh, uh it was miss Hillary uh Jastrum and she, the the rest is history now the thing is uh the kindle version's up and doing well and the paperback will be out shortly so it it in linkedin's been very good to me uh i i've uh I've had a lot of a lot of fun going on there, and 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 uh, the, the nice people and following, and and yet uh, here co- here comes a book out of it. And the last thing in the world I ever thought about was writing a book. Uh, I I wrote one years and years ago, and I'm the only person that ever read it. Uh, so <laughs> I like to write, but uh, this one's this one went a
1: little farther. Mr. Charles, is LinkedIn the only social media that you post on?
0: LinkedIn has been the only social media that I've been on until Monday. A good friend of mine, uh, a man that I've known for forty years, and who probably knows me better than anybody in this world. Uh, I mean, he he knows me. And just a, a wonderful uh, man, and he uh, sent me a text, and he said, "I wrote something about your book on uh, uh, Facebook." And I had set up a Facebook account years ago, but never did anything with it. And so I start trying to find him on Facebook so I can see what he wrote. And it kind of hit me that a lot of people that I, that I actually know are on Facebook. And I started looking around and I started seeing people that I haven't seen in 20 years. And, you know, and, and I started making contact with them. So uh short answer to your question uh, or to come to the point, I have started working Facebook a little bit now. And if you're out there and you're listening and you want to, uh, Befriend me on Facebook. I'll be glad to have you.
1: So, Mister Charles, do you, do you like post like on a regular basis, like once a week, twice a week? What's your process for that? And second question: um, Do you have like a set of topics you talk about, or that's come to your head? And with all these followers and, and content engagement, do you like cause sometimes feel pressure to put something out there, where maybe you're not ready to put something out there.
0: I, I never, I never feel that way, and I don't have uh, any timetable. I. Writing is something that uh, the best way for me to describe it is that it comes from my heart. There, there has to be something well up inside me that I think needs to be said. And, and, and it usually, uh, I'll have ideas and I'll write things down. This would make a good article and this would be there. And I'll be sitting there thumbing through those things and none of them are really hitting me. And and then a thought that I'd never had before will occur to me, and I'll start writing about it, and and post it on uh, on LinkedIn, and they run their course, uh, but I probably post something once once a week. Uh, but if I don't, I don't don't concern myself about it. But if if it's been four or five days and I have another thought that I really want to say, I might go ahead and 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 do another one but it it, it all comes uh it, it it's 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 driven by a feeling that i think i have something that needs to be said and, and and that's really the long and the short of it
1: mr charles do you ever do any videos or you just strictly do writing
0: i have uh done two or three videos on linkedin and the first one was a spoof they everybody was doing videos and pontificating about this that and the other and i got uh one of my one of my one of my guys out we were out in the field and i said i want to do a video for linkedin and so i said i want you to run the camera for about 20 seconds. Just put it on me. And so he did. And I never said a word. <laughs> it, was, it, it was a spoof on on all of these. Uh, maybe I was a little unkind, but I thought I got a kick out of it. Well, anyway, funny. people people were watching the video. <laughs> I never said a word. I'm just is he going to he gonna say something? What's he yeah. going to say? <laughs> well, I've done two or three like that. And I've had people uh actually message me and they're trying trying to imagine what I sound like. And I get kind of tickled and I've uh, I, he- I hear when they when they think of me speaking, they're hearing Sam Elliott. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. He's a, he's exactly. He's an, an an actor. And I uh I I never say anything one way or the other uh but there may be a few people out there listening to you today that'll that are hearing my voice for the very first time and have uh been following me for uh, for years uh so i I'm, I'm i'm thinking i might get some comments on it uh i told someone one time i said well I said, I'm not my voice. It's not Sam Elliott. It's Truman Capote. (laughs) And, and of course, I'm I'm somewhere in between, I hope, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's been a funny thing. And I'm thinking about doing a, a video about the book when it launches. Uh, I haven't decided yet. Uh, I, I really want people to, to buy the book and because I want them to read it. Uh and and yet I don't want to transition from the what I've been to my followers to some somebody that's just always his book. I'm hoping that people will read it and 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 like it and do that for me. Uh when I did my website, uh, if you've looked at my website, I assure you, I'm not the one that wrote all of that stuff. Miss <laughs> uh, Hillary, I, I told her, I said, I, you know, I, I just, it's just not in me to say what probably needs to be said. It's going to have to come from someone else, and and she's just been great. So she was the she was the one that got my uh website up she hired a a a great man to to do the work of a great company and and she stayed on him she's a she, she's she she demands the best and uh uh she's not bashful at all about disagreeing with you and and uh just just such an expert in her field and and uh made sure everybody did a good job i I'm indebted to her. She's she's just been great,
1: Mr. Charles. So you, you, someone convinced you to do the book. Talk about the process. Like, how did you how did did you find Hillary? Did Hillary find you? Well,
0: uh, Mr. Philip Reed, uh, knew knew Miss Hillary from uh, Facebook, and he got in touch with her, and, and he told me he was going to do it. He said, I. Uh, you you have to write a book, and so I get a message on LinkedIn from him introducing me to Miss Hillary, and uh, then we ended up setting up a phone call, and that's that's how it all started, and she took all of the material, and it, it was a it's an interesting process that I had no idea what it was really like the difficulty in turning your writing into a book. And I tell Miss Hillary all the time, I said, I, I just wrote the stuff. You're the one that's made it the book. And th- there's, there's a lot of a lot to it for it to be good. And, and she's just a master
1: at what she's doing. And so the, the writing process, I'm guessing you wrote everything in the book, correct yourself. There's no ghostwriting. Everything's from you, right? No, it, it's,
0: it's, it's all, all me.
1: Uh-huh. And like, how did you decide, like, you know, what to put in, what to take out, in that process? Did, did Hillary help you with that, or?
0: Oh, yes, yeah, she was. She was a big help. Essentially, uh, things that I had posted on LinkedIn became the uh, the basis of the book, and she went through all of that material and and called out what she thought would would, would accomplish the vision that I had for the book and what I wanted to do. So a lot of my writings were not included in the, in the book, but, and, and then we would tweak them around and I would edit them, maybe add some things here, uh, or, or there, but it was, uh, it was all my writing and, and it was just the process of, of taking the writing and turning it into a good book.
1: Mr. Charles, what was your vision for the book? What was the intent in writing the book? What did you want people to get out, get out of it? I,
0: I wanted to write something that was based on eternal principles that would cause people to stop and think, uh, before they, uh, before they act. And, and I said it in the context of personal life stories uh, that that I had written. So people could, could see that, you know, I've, I've had my, my difficult times in life, just like everybody else. Uh, I'm not some guru that's been sitting in a monastery all my life. Uh, I've been out there. And I I summed the book up with uh, what I called the Four Golden Questions. And that seems to have really resonated with people. And I explained that all day long, every day in our lives, there are four constants that are playing out almost moment by moment. And those four things are things that we do, things that we say, but then it goes a little deeper. And, I, and, and the third one is things that we think and things that we feel. We're doing, saying, thinking, and feeling stuff all day long. And I don't think folks have actually stopped to think about it that way. And all I did was suggest that before you act, stop and give it some thought Maybe just a second or two, but stop and think, am I about to do something stupid? Should I do this? Should I not do it? Or maybe not do anything at all. And the same thing was true with what you say. Uh, Stop for a second before you just blurt something out and ask yourself the question. These were the questions. What would a wise person do? What would a wise person say? What would a wise person feel, and what would they think? And I I pointed out you can get control, you can take control of your life. You can control what you allow to be captured by your mind. Is 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 what you're dwelling on? Something it's making you unhappy, or frustrated, or whatever. And then what's in your heart? Uh, Do you have peace? Uh, Do you have peace of mind and peace in your heart? And if you don't, why? And 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 it's it's a method of self-evaluation and a method of of living your life. And, and the book, the book is essentially based on 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 illustrations, more or less, uh, uh, about those four about living, according to the dictates of those questions.
1: Mr. Charles, is a book like is it like through a, like a like a traditional book publisher or is it strictly through Amazon?
0: It will it will be published uh, through Amazon. The the rea- and that was something else I didn't understand until I got into this. Uh, the realities of the the book world today. That's where you stay. If you're an unpublished author, which I am, I've never written it, published anything before. Uh, that's where you have to start. And if the book does goes well. Uh, I don't know where it'll end up, but uh, right, right now to get that book into the hands of uh, people that I wanted that, that I know and love and want to read it. Uh, that That's where we had to go. So uh, that, that's, that's where it'll be for the, for the time being.
1: Mr. Charles, can you talk some about the pros and cons of writing your own book and the lessons you learned through the process?
0: Yes, sir. Uh, it, it uh it forces you to uh, to get focused and and organized and to uh communicate a message and and I learned that uh in the initial writing of things it was best to go go back and not try to add to it but take stuff out that really didn't need to be said and to try to, to try to speak in a language that people understand. uh, I I, I felt like that was, that was a a challenge to to just, just write like I would be talking to people and, and, and uh, not uh, try to impress them with anything other than uh, the, the, the message of the book. Uh, it, it's been an educational experience into a world that I've never been in. And, and, uh, uh, time will see how successful I've been.
1: Mr. Charles, so what does your wife, family, kids, and close friends think about all this you got going on? You're writing a book, you're, you like a quote unquote LinkedIn celebrity, so to speak, you know, all this thing <laughs> you have going on, what are all those, your close people closest to you think about all this that, you, that you're doing?
0: Well, they're, uh, very excited. And and my first reviews are starting to come in from my family. Uh, my son has read the book. And uh, my daughter and son-in-law and the kids are reading it. And there, there seems to... Th- they seem kind of, in a way, shocked by it all. It's like... Th- they, they saw a side of me that they really didn't see quite like it came out in the book. Uh, they uh, learned things about my past that, that they didn't know. Uh, and it's, it's just been fun to listen to their comments, but, but the message got through and, and 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 has had had an impact on the way that that they've started thinking about things and my daughter told said dad I've been listening to you say this stuff for years and she said it just never un- until I read this it just never hit me what what you were trying to say until you put it all together uh i have little sayings that uh uh they tease me about. They call it Grandpa's sayings. Uh, a lot of it goes into the the book is Texas grit. Well, to my family, those are Grandpa's sayings, and and they they've always been amused. But all of a sudden, it started taking on a, a kind of a different meaning. You know, that there was a a little touch of wisdom there, uh, uh, perhaps. But they've been extremely supportive and. And, and I think, I think they're kind of proud of the old man, you know, that he's retired and we thought he was just going to go out to pasture and now here he is writing books and uh, uh, still in the game. And, and I, I think they're, I think they're pleased.
1: So Mr. Charles, like you're in your seventies, like you're still making countries in society. You're still adding value, helping people out, making the world a better place. Other people in their twenties are like doing nothing, right? Why do some people like you keep on giving value, keep on giving back, you know, and, and like, you have a, seem like you still have a focus, a fire for life.
0: Yes, why, sir. And why are some yes, people
1: still sir. have a focus of fire at your age and the other people like, they're like in their 20s or 30s are like work nine to five and go home and that's it, right? Is it just where you bought up, genetics, you're talking about that a little bit. I, uh,
0: I, I think that for, since, since I was a child, and, and I don't mean to say this to be self-serving, but all of my life, people have told me, and I don't know whether it was a compliment or not sometimes, but they would tell me that my mind didn't work like most people's, that I just had, I just saw things differently and looked at things differently. And... I uh, so much, and I, I'll touch on this. Uh, so much goes back to uh, when I was in the, the Marine Corps, and and I felt like that I I, I owed I owed some people a life. And uh, I mean, I, I was alive, and and there was something in me that that wanted to to make it a good one, and I didn't always understand exactly what that meant, but I I wanted to accomplish something. I I, I wanted to be someone that. Uh, uh, as, as I said, you know, you start a business and you create a job for somebody. That's that, that that's a neat thing. I'm I'm taking care of my own family, and and now I've, I've I've created something. that's helping another person support their family, and I I always felt like that work was service to your fellow man, and that money was basically uh, uh, c- came to you on the basis of of the value of your service, and so I wanted to be in some kind of a a position in my life where people counted on me to do something and get it right. I had that feeling, and when you're dealing with underground gas lines and and uh, uh, Petroleum lines, electric lines, and and different things. Uh, there's safety issues there. Uh, and I felt a great sense of responsibility to to do a good job for the sake of my clients and for the sake of the people on the dozers and backhoes out there that were going to be digging the holes. And I got a lot of satisfaction out of that. And uh, once I retired, i I sat around for about two or three months, and I was just retired and I started feeling just kind of worthless like like some old horse you know that had just been the gate was open and I had been slapped on the butt and run off into the pasture and and i and I was just out there eating grass and and sleeping and I, I didn't like that feeling, and, and I got some satisfaction out of uh, doing posts on LinkedIn, but I, I went back to uh, my son's, uh, son's company, Lightspeed uh, Locating, and uh, I said, you know, I, I'm not really looking for a job, but, but, but I want something to do where I feel like I'm, you know, pulling my weight here uh, for, for the air I'm breathing. And so I started doing some things with him, and then once the book came along, all of a sudden I, I, I was I was a new man. I, I was back in the game and, and doing something that I thought might uh, might be a legacy thing uh, that would uh, would follow me beyond my years, and uh, I, I I like to think of it that way and hope that it will be. Uh, but I'm. But I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I'm not one of these people that always has to have something to do. I think that becomes a distraction in and of itself. Uh, I, I'm an easygoing guy, but when I work, I work. And, and, uh, and always took a lot of satisfaction in, in doing a job well done. And I like the feeling of uh, uh, a satisfied customer. That That meant a lot to me.
1: Mr. Charles, you've been getting a lot of positive reviews, a lot of positive comments on the, on the art for your book cover, right? And I believe yeah, that, was, that was actually done by a young, young lady out of Paris, France. How is it that a yes, young lady sir? from Paris, France did the cover art for a book from a Texan? Like, how did that come about? Oh, okay. Well, the lady that published my
0: book is Miss Hillary, and she's from Minnesota. And we've had a little fun with that. Uh, she's <laughs> taught, she, yeah, yeah. She's taught me some some words that i've never heard of before <laughs> in my life and, and and uh uh she said she said the word jinkies one day well jinkies and i and I jinkies and and i, I could tell by the context what she was saying and i wrote her back and i said I really like the word jinkies. So that's a new word for me, so I'm going to start using that instead of shucks, <laughs> you know. And and I, I I I talk about speaking Texan, and so in my book I'll, I, or and in my writings on LinkedIn, I would I would go Texan, you know, and and by that. I would just start writing exactly the way most of the people out there in the world I lived in talked and, 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 and just enjoyed it. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, to, to answer your question, Hillary. knew people. Uh, I mean, as a publisher, she knew the best people to bring in on this. And one was an artist. The best artist that she knew, there's lots of good artists out there, but the best one that she knew that she'd worked with and knew she could depend on was was Miss Jiminy over in Paris. Uh, The same thing is true with my marketing. Uh, uh, Michelle Colt. Uh, just, uh, a, a wonderful lady is, is the one that's going to be, that, that is in charge of, of the marketing of this book. And, and she and Miss Hillary are my, uh, they're, they're my bosses. They, they tell me what to do and what not to do. Uh, and then there's, uh, people like to do the, the website. Miss Hillary knew somebody that could do a great website. Uh. The formatting of the book, she got the best people that she knew to do the form- formatting. So she has done everything. She, uh, uh, th- to answer your question, everybody involved in making this a book has uh, has been from uh, the the sources of Miss Hillary Jastrum.
1: She's she's just a peach of a lady. And the lady from from Paris, I'm guessing. I've never met in person, right? No, no, we haven't. I mean, that like, it of art, it's like point on. It's like, okay, it's like this so perfect how she did it. It's just amazing to me.
0: Well, I, I gave my basic vision of, of what I wanted to uh, Miss Hillary and, and, and bounced it off of her. I, I was open, you know, if, if she thought what I was uh, thinking was, was ridiculous or, or, or you know, I, we, we were having a conversation but she loved the idea. I said, I want a picture of me sitting in the rocking chair with a bunch of critters around me and my cookie bandits. And, I, and it, it, in the picture, I've got a little bear cub laying on his back in my lap. And he's getting his belly rub. And we even uh, so we we gave the vision to Miss Gemini. And, and she started coming up with drawings and we started tweaking them around and moving them around and adding, adding this and that. And, but but she, was, she was into it and, and, and just came up with, uh, with, with something that I think is just absolutely perfect for what I had wanted the book to look like. Uh, I wanted it to be something that would catch people's attention and, and make them smile. And, and be a little, and be different than, than m- uh, most book covers that you would see. And, and she just did a
1: masterful job. Yeah, she definitely did. Like, you know, I, I followed you for a while. i you know listening to your article, I mean, read your articles. And like, I saw that, like, man, this is, this is like point on, like, this is like, like you said, it's perfect. Like, I think, I think it captures your essence, and that this is everything you're trying to do. She did, she did a great job. Yeah, yes.
0: Yeah, it was, And. We'd, we'd get drawings from her and they were just kind of sketched out but you could see and then when she was ready to really go in there and get the finished product she just she just fleshed it all out and 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 and, and finished it up and uh one of the things that I like is uh is uh Harry uh, uh, the bigfoot he's he's in the picture and the the more the more you look at the picture, uh, when you see it, the size that it'll be on the book, you'll, you'll just keep noticing things that you didn't <laughs> notice the last time you looked. And, and uh, I thought that would be part of the fun of it as well. So, Mr. There's uh, a lot of critters in there. It
1: is. So Mr. Charles, I think another thing, great thing about you, so there's a lot of people that are 50s, 60, 70s, they have the mindset, I know everything, I'm not gonna change my mind, I'm not gonna change my opinion. But you, you're like open to different ideas, open to learning new things. Why are, why are some people so set in their ways and they don't want to change? And like some people like you are like willing to like learn all the time and, and do better, so to speak.
0: Well, they, they don't understand the value of having people around you that are smarter than you are and who know things that you don't know. Now, I was able to put together what became the content of a book but had no idea in this world how to turn that into a book but there's people out there that do and and i and i found the very the very best one and uh there this is what uh, i i tease miss hillary this is my favorite hillary story uh, I was looking at one of the articles and we were talking on the phone and I had made a note that I thought the first two paragraphs of the story should be taken out of the uh, taken out of that story I didn't think they fit and I explained to her what uh, you know, the, the way I felt and and she's listening patiently to me and I had no idea what was about to come and so I I, I after I finished talking this firm voice came back over the phone and said, I could not uh, disagree with you more. <laughs> and I knew right then I had a gym. <laughs> so, so, I mean, she knows what she's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And when I realized that I had that kind of a lady doing this work, that that would stand up to me and and maybe what I a foolish idea that I would have I I knew that I had a treasure I love people like that 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 they make me better because they know no things I don't know when they can do things that I can't do and so my recommendation to anybody is know your strengths and know your weaknesses Uh, fess up to them and understand them and where you're weak find people who are strong and and that's the way you really get things done and i've i've never had any uh i i don't consider myself to be uh i i think i'm a person of average intelligence i guess i'm i'm not a genius but i have sense enough to know that that uh, people that th- there are people that can help in areas mm-hmm. where 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 I need help and I uh, I ch- I cherish them. I, I, they're my favorite people. People that will stand up to me and and you know and 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 take charge and uh yeah I I uh, that was the moment I realized that Miss Hillary was was just exactly what I needed. Uh, she, she's been great. So Mr.
1: Charles, next, let's talk about your role as President for Life of the Republic of Road Mountain and the Critter, and the Critter Council and talk about how Thelma the Doe-Eyed Matriarch helping you out and all the rest of your critters are helping you out with your daily life and how, how those characters came to life and how they came about. Well,
0: they're, they're they're critters that live on Round Mountain. And the story is kind of circulated around that uh, I, that I've never confirmed or denied, and have no intention of doing so now, that all of the critters were from the uh, tales of Uncle Remus, and that it's even been said that I'm the little boy that used to go and listen to these stories. And that, that is just something that needs to remain. Uh, Like I say, I won't confirm or deny that, but I I loved seeing all of the, all of the animals up on, uh, on Round Mountain. And Thelma uh, they, they all just sort of, in my mind, I, I just developed characters around them. And I, I I saw this beautiful doe that was standing, looking right at me. And I have no idea why I decided to call her Thelma, but it was the first thing it went through my mind. And I made Thelma the the matriarch of Round Mountain and the enforcer of the Round Mountain Critter Code of Conduct and co-chair of the Round Mountain Critter Council meetings every Saturday morning. And then there was spuds, a wild boar, and rex, a coyote, and the, the uh, uh, mittens, uh, a bobcat, and these different critters. And... Some of the things I, I got ideas and I just started talking about it. And of course, everybody realizes that these are just stories, but, uh, you know, I, all the, all the critters come down to round mountain every morning and, and I give them all a belly rub and then they go and get their uh, uh, about their day's activities and, when we started thinking more in terms of a structured government, uh, all of the critters, uh, of course, wanted me to be the 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 leader. They chose me as their leader, with Thelma second in charge, and they elected me president for life of the Republic of Republic of Round Mountain. Round Mountain seceded from Texas over. Uh, Uh, disagreements about the way the coronavirus was being handled and we became our own independent republic with me president for life and then we started thinking about uh, our national defense and we uh, formed the Round Mountain uh, Critter Defense Force and spuds and each every critter from from fire ants to buzzards had a certain role that they would play if, if, uh, uh, there were hostilities and round mountain needed to be defended. And so the stories, uh, I, I, I've told a lot of stories to my grandkids when they were little, we'd sit around the campfire and I'd tell tall tales and, uh, and I just started telling tall tales to people on LinkedIn too. And it became a part of, of, uh, uh, of 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 what I offered out there, And they seem to really enjoy it. Uh, every every once in a while, somebody will message me and and act like this is all true, you know. <laughs> they, and and, you know, and I, I mean, I know it's not true. Everybody else knows it's not true, but it's fun to pretend that it is, and we all enjoy it. Uh, that's, I mean, play play is that, good for
1: everyone. Play is good for you at
0: any age, right? Right, right. Oh. Uh, I was walking in the in the woods with my with my grandkids one day, and there's a there's a huge white oak tree, and this is just kind of the relationship that I have with them, and they were they were so young and they just believe anything I said, uh, I mean it was they were so innocent, it was so sweet, and I told them that when Davy Crockett first came to Texas. He spent a couple of months at Round Mountain. And while he was there, he killed a coon out of this big white oak tree and made the hat that he wore at the Alamo. And they were just like, you know, wow, Grandpa. And then I involved uh, the coon's name was uh, Roscoe, and he was the descendant many times removed of a of a coon that lives on round mountain now named rocco so Rocco was a direct descendant of roscoe and Roscoe literally sacrificed his life so that davy could have a good could look good and have a good hat when he got to the alamo and 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 that's one of the round Mountain stories as as well there's a bunch of them I haven't told them all but uh it, it i I just kind of stumbled into it talking about my critters and thought I would have some fun and 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 spend some yarns about it uh as as I want to do i i i i've I've been a storyteller all my life and uh it it hasn't changed
1: you no know it would be great it'd be great like your book has great success if someone turns you and your and, and your critical counsel like some kind of animated cartoon series right like every week the adventures of mr charles and his critters that are going around round mountain i think that'd be a great great tv cartoon series or animated series to do it it's
0: it certainly could be and miss hillary and i have talked about a a children's book with uh, uh i don't know if i would be in it or not maybe yes maybe no but my first vision about it would be for all of the critters, Thelma and Spuds and all of the critters would be would be babies. Thelma would be a little doe and Spuds a little piglet. And it would be much the same lessons as in, in Ponderonic Pilgrims, that some of the little critters were good little critters and some of them were naughty. And how life... Uh, uh, the, the the results of their behavior on, on the way that their life went for basic happiness and try to, try to work in some moral to the story that it's always better to be kind and nice yeah, than to be, to be mean, you know, and, and contrast the characters like that. It, it, it there might be something coming on that. Uh, it, 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 it'll be later, but, but it's
1: it, it's being thought about. So, Mister Charles, of course you have you have like hundreds of coaches, right? I want to read one right here. Um, look here, boys and girls, you can't keep negative, toxic, angry, offensive, or insulting people out of your life, but you can keep them out of your head. I mean, that's just so insightful. Right? Can you talk about some more about that? I think a lot of people need to hear about. Because a lot of people get down with negativity, people talk bad about them. But like you said, it's up to you to keep them out of your head. Correct.
0: That that's the point I was making earlier. If are those people in your head you you might even get them away from you but you think about things they said you start thinking about things you want to say to them and all of a sudden you're, you're, your 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 mind's just poisoned by the influence that these people have have had on on the way that you think and and uh, catch yourself and and d- don't let uh, those type of people have control over you.
1: So, Mr. Charles, you take a lot of pictures with cigars. I'm guessing you're a lover of cigars. Do you have a favorite cigar that you smoke, and how long you have been smoking cigars?
0: This is uh, a- another myth that has uh, grown up around me that I haven't discouraged. I do enjoy a good cigar. Uh, uh, I like the, uh, uh, right now the the Rocky Patel, uh, brands of cigars, the, uh, the, uh, 1990 vintage and, and uh, and they're really good, but I probably smoke one or two cigars a year.
1: Okay. So so not like like every day, like like a picture, make a scene. (laughs) No, no.
0: It's just I'll take some pictures of myself <laughs> what I'm doing. It. Uh, I, I'm not a I'm not a big smoker, and uh, it's the same thing with drinking. Everybody wonders what's in my uh, in my coffee cup, and I haven't discouraged the idea that you know I've been known to sit there on the porch and have a snort of Jack Daniels, <laughs> and that's true, but not often. Uh I'll I'll have a drink. I enjoy a drink with a meal sometimes, but uh I uh I'm a man of self-control. Uh I I I don't let I don't let things capture me. And uh if I got to liking cigars too well and uh smoke felt like I was smoking too many of them, I'd quit them all together. (laughs) And it's the same way with having a drink. Uh uh J- just uh, in moderation, but but I've 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 enjoyed the 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 good fun that we've had, and and uh and, and it is true. I'm a man that likes a good cigar. <laughs> that, yes, sir. I
1: remember one time I was on the on the TV show Dallas for J.R. Ewing. He was somewhere early morning. And they asked him, "GR, you want some coffee?" And he said, "Yes." What do you want in your coffee? You like bourbon? Yeah. I, I always thought that was so funny. Right?
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, I I uh I I know people that have had uh had a real problem with with, with alcohol and, and uh it I, I'm I'm very very moderate in in any of my vices, uh what I would consider to be my vices. Uh and I and I think that's best. But then they say everything in moderation, including moderation. So I'm still pondering on that. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Mr. Charles, you live in the, in the Houston area, correct? Yes, sir. And, and can you talk something about, what's it like living in Texas? What's, what's the Texas life for, is right now?
0: Well, we, I, I think there's something in the, the DNA of, 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 of Texans. Uh, we were once an independent nation, and there's a certain pride to that. And Texans t- tend to be independent and and freedom loving, uh, and sort of a, a, a free spirit about them in in, in living life, and. It's more we say a state of mind. Uh, Anybody, it's it's like becoming an American. Uh, You can come from another country to the United States, and you can become an American if you um, embrace the culture and, and 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 come to think of this as your country. And someone comes to Texas they they can become a texan uh we just don't want you telling us how y'all used to do it back up in michigan <laughs> you know leave, exactly leave leave, leave, leave leave michigan behind and come down here and get your hat and some boots so and and uh
1: get you a Lone star our, get, get, get you a yeah. Lone star here <laughs>
0: right. eat some bluebell ice cream get some barbecue right. right right learn learn the language you know uh First thing you need to know, know is what fetch means, and uh, it, it we we have fun and and, and people we we there there's somewhat surprised that we still call them Yankees. Yeah, uh, but we we if a Texan likes you, he'll tease you, and if you come down here from Michigan or Pennsylvania or New York, and and you're a good person you'll, you'll, be, you'll be embraced. You're going to get teased a little bit, but, but you'll be embraced and accepted, uh, as, as long as you, there's a sense that, that you're happy here and, 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 and you're glad, you're glad to be here. uh it's, there's, that's, that's pretty much it. I think, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's it's a it's a spirit that goes back to the early days and and the way our history formed and there's a lot of folks that can trace their ancestry right back to the old uh, Austin colonies you know land grants and uh, uh you see people with signs on their truck that they're native Texans and I always laugh because uh, Davy Crockett and Stephen F Austin and Jim Bowie and uh, uh, William Travis all these people none of them were native texans no, <laughs> not at all not it, at all but but it's it's uh I, I i'm proud to be a texan and and it seems like people like texas i have friends in europe and they find out I mean, they just think it's neat that i'm from texas they see the movies and they hear stories and stuff and they they, they, they think it's and, and it is it's a special place. We have our own culture here and we are like a foreign country. And if you come in here and understand, you know we're a part of the United States, but we're different here and and the difference is we think of ourselves as Texans and and, and you ask me, I mean I'm a Texan. And, and, uh, that, I guess that's, uh, that's the, the, the difference may be in us and some other places, but other people love where they live too. Yeah. So and me I and my wife,
1: we're both born and raised in Texas. But right now we're living in the Seattle because I retired up here. but like, uh-huh. if you go back to Texas, just the vibe, the people, like most places I've been to, like i travel a lot of, around the world, you know, in the army, you go to, like, right. you, you go to a grocery store, leave a grocery store, they look at you like you're crazy in Texas. Like, you know, in Texas, you're on HEB. How you doing today, sir? You leave. How you doing? Hope you have a great day. Just like the mannerisms, the sociability, it's just a total different vibe, different outlook on life in Texas.
0: People are nice to each other uh, and 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 show respect for each other uh, and, and defer to one another in lines and and uh, that uh, I, I know that's not true in some places. And folks that are coming in, a lot of good people coming to Texas. And we want them to come here in the spirit of the old immigrants because they're looking for a better life or they're lo- they're looking for more freedom. They, they, they've they become discontent with where they are. And we, we want you to, to become one of us and, and embrace us and not bring all the things that was wrong with where you came from. Leave that stuff behind. We don't we we don't want uh we, we don't want Texas diluted by, <laughs> by that. We we want you to come and, and, and join us and be,
1: be become like us. Um, one time we, we was visiting my brother in law in Dallas, right? And I, and a good friend of mine was having a new heiress. so he's like he's like not, not in Texas. he's from um New Hampshire thing, right? She came to visit us in Dallas. It's like, why is everyone always waving at us? So I had to explain to him, like, you know, it's just a Texas thing. Like, people come by, they wave at you, I say hi. It's like totally foreign to him. Like everyone, everyone's yeah. waving at us.
0: Yeah, yeah. It it it's it's that way, especially in the country. I mean, you meet another another vehicle, and and you, you throw up your hand, you know, and they'll do the same thing, and you don't have any idea who it is, but it's just. Uh, a courtesy that you show a driver that's going the opposite direction that you are. Yes. And people are good. Let you, let you in and when traffic's heavy and uh, uh, just, just kind of a common courtesy, people are, are are nice. Yes. Um, And and I'm proud of that. It's a good thing.
1: So uh, a few years ago, my kids bought me a t-shirt it said never ask a man from he's from Texas. you he's from Texas. He would already told you if he's yeah. an, if he's not you're going to embarrass him by asking him. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's you know, we have a reputation of being tellers of tall tales and and, and uh, we came by it honestly. Uh, we're we're a we're we're a teller of tales that a a proud people that that, that we are.
1: And, and yes, sir. No, go ahead. No, no, I'm I'm fine. Okay, so Mister Charles, you already talked about your book some, but can you go like in greater detail, like you know how the book got started, what you what you want the book to accomplish, and what's your vision for the book?
0: I I'm thinking, I I'm dreaming big. Uh when I, when I think about this book, I, I think about the, the message of the book, and I feel like it's a, an important message, and I've been encouraged by what other people have said that, that it is, that there's, there's something unique about, uh, about this and the way that it's written and i feel like the world would be a better place if millions of people read this book and when i say that to people who are familiar with the material they they feel the same way now what success it will ultimately have remains to be seen but i it's it's almost become like a ministry to me uh that i have something that i just want to tell you you know (laughs) that that might help you uh in in uh being a better decision maker and being a better person and so many people have just seemed to have lost complete control of their lives and 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 it's a it's a call for calm and and, and 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 thoughtful consideration of what's important in life, and taking a a fresh look with new eyes at at at, at the way your life is going and, and and the way you would like for it to, for it to go uh, now you know there there's a certain reality to it uh, about. You know, selling if four million people read the book, there's going to be a whole bunch of people buy the book. But I was putting this material more or less on LinkedIn for years, and 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 I was just happy to share my thoughts. And now it's turned into a, a book, and and people will have to buy it. But I've never lost sight of the message, uh, and and the importance that I feel about. About people, uh, people reading w- w- what's said there. That that's so. I, I want the book to have great success because I love it when people, if it's helped somebody, that, that'll that'll be if it'll change somebody's life. And I'm hearing that people have read it and said, you know, I, th- this has just turned my whole world upside down. I mean, I just never, never thought about things the way you're presenting them here so we'll we'll see what happens but I'm going to do my best to get get the word out about it and, and and hope people will respond
1: mr Charles obviously you want me as people to buy the book but is your book targeted like one certain type of people like one demographic like maybe it's are you trying to target like you know single mothers who are struggling maybe someone who's like a CEO of a success corporation but he's not a preacher of the life is a certain type of background or demographic that you, you think your book speaks most to, or is this is just a book, a great book for people in general? It,
0: it, it, there, there's, there's no target audience whatsoever. Uh, this, we're all just folks. We all have different roles that we play, and the CEO of a major corporation uh, has great responsibility, uh, and in his work. But he's but he's he he's just a man or a woman like everybody else. And and uh the people that the, all the way down, the people that work for him, young people, middle-aged people. Uh it's 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 just a call for all of us to stop and think and maybe maybe become better people, Uh, maybe learn how to be better people. Uh, These things aren't being taught in our schools anymore. Uh, We're not being taught manners. We're not being taught social grace. Uh, We're not being taught to be nice and courteous. Uh, Everybody seems angry now and upset about something. And that's not by accident. And, And this is a call to everyone, whether they're teenagers or people my age and 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 people of different ages have read it and uh it, it it's I, I feel like uh you know if you if you're the owner of a big business would would your business benefit if your employees made better decisions were were better people uh you, you know, and 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 lived a more of a disciplined life, and and the, it's something that will affect everyone. But I, I didn't uh, I didn't have any particular group in mind at all. I I was just picturing uh, maybe maybe a scene I saw on television. Where everybody's just screaming and yelling and seems just completely out of control and angry, and uh, one group on the uh, believes one thing on one side of the street, people on the other believe just the opposite. But everybody was yelling and screaming and shouting obscenities <laughs> to one another. And I, and my thought is, look, folks, there's a better way. You know, <laughs> this is not going to accomplish anything. So it. Uh, it, to answer your question, it—I uh, feel like I'm talking like a uh, uh, so much, but uh, I think anyone that reads it will come away with something that will be helpful to them, and will make them think of someone else that they they wish would read the book, and and that's what I'm hoping that it'll just get a, a groundswell of uh, people recommending it and and go on
1: from there. Mr. Charles, so what's a starts selling like like hotcakes? Is it a plan to do like a U.S. book tour with you, the critical Council, and the Misses, like a U.S. tour, U.S. book tour?
0: I have no plans for that right now. Uh, My life is changing. Uh, I mean, I have a gentleman invite me to be on a podcast. Uh, I've, I've done one podcast. You're my second. And I have three more scheduled, and this is all something that's just come up. And, and next and, thing you know, you're on
1: Good Good Morning America.
0: Well, I I don't know. Uh, I I I want to do a balance between the the promotion of the book and. And and staying who I am. Yeah, I
1: mean, you still you're still a father, you're still a husband, you're still a grandkid, you yeah, know. Yeah.
0: And, and they're still the most important things. I mean, to you're still me. a grandparent. I mean, yeah, and and that's, but but sure. I mean, if I don't know that I would go on a national book tour. That sounds. I I, 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 I don't know if I'd want to be gone that long, but I'm going to be available for podcasts. And if uh, someone with a radio show called up and wanted me to. Be on the radio show with them. I'd I'd do that, and if somebody, uh, you know, I might do some TV appearances uh, if if that happened. But that seems this is a this is all new to me. I, I've just been this guy up at Round Mountain, you know, uh, <laughs> that came came back and wrote something on LinkedIn once in a while. I, I enjoy the life and the lifestyle that I have, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let it l- let it change that. But uh, I'll I'll do I'll do within reason what's in the best interest of the book. I really do want want it to do well.
1: Mr. Charles, is there anything that I've asked that I haven't asked you yet, or anything else you want to talk about?
0: Oh uh, no, sir. It's 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 been a great. Conversation. I've I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I can't think of anything that I would say. Uh, if if you read the book and you like it, uh, I'd appreciate you writing a review on uh, on Amazon and and telling people about it and being a part of what I call a a, a, a movement to restore wisdom and common sense in our in our country that that's the objective and uh if people want to be a part of that I, I'm I'm honored by the kind things that uh that people say i was told that reviews people looking at the book and being able to see what some other people thought about it that had read it was important so that might be the only thing i'd have to ask anyone that's listening and and then i would add
1: and to our listeners, we'll have the links to um, Mr. Charles' social media, his LinkedIn and his Facebook, and LinkedIn, is his, and LinkedIn and the link to buy his book on Amazon at the show notes. you can find the show notes at www.cavernishallbroad.com Be sure to share this episode with your friends and network, and be sure to rate, subscribe, review the Jason Cavett experience on your, on your favorite platform. So Mr. Charles, before we get out of here, can you give us any last minute wisdom or, or advice on anything you want to talk about?
0: Well, uh Everybody, just calm down. Quit worrying about things that you can't do anything about, and just focus on on being a good person, being good people, and uh, th- that's that. Th- that really is my message to 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 seek to be wise to seek. Seek to make good good decisions. That uh, be able to give people good advice and and improve yourself and and stop worrying about uh, about everything else. Uh, I I th- that's that's the best advice I can give people. I think uh, in a nutshell,
1: Mr. Charles, I want to thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. I've had a great time. I appreciate the invitation, sir. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you. And remember to be great every day.
0: Don't you know, bump it up. You've got to bump it up. Don't you know, bump it up. You've got to, it up. You've got to it up. Don't you know, it up. You got you pumped it up and don't you know, Pump it up. You got you pumped it up and don't you know, Pump it up. You got you pumped it up and don't you know.